right, well, now we are fully in the holiday mode, right? Man. <laughs> Woo, man. That, uh, what's that sleepy juice that's in the turkey? Yeah, man, y'all still hyped up on that stuff, huh? Wow. So we are now fully in the holiday mode, and for some of that, for some of you here in this place today, that's an awesome statement, especially for you that, like, got out in November 1st and threw up the tree, put up the lights on the house. Come on, you know who you are. Let me tell you, I got a next door that literally they put their lights up. I'm like, come on now. This is just not even right. I thought about going to knock on his door and saying, like, we need some intervention here. It's just too much. It's just too much, right? Let Thanksgiving have its day, okay? Let Thanksgiving have its time. You got plenty of time. Now, I had another next-door neighbor that did it up right. They did Thanksgiving on Thursday. And let me tell you, they have been out. They are the Griswolds of our neighborhood. They got out on Friday and Saturday. They're still not done. I'm sure they'll be out there today. I mean, I'm telling you, I haven't seen so many inflatables in my life. I mean, it's just nuts. And then, like, the lights on the house. They even got Santa movie going up on one of their dormer windows. I mean, it's just nuts. I mean, like, they really are the Griswolds of our neighborhood. You should drive by. It's definitely worth the drive. Uh, so, anyways, uh, but there are some people who are excited about holidays. But then there's another group of us, I include myself sometimes, that, that we get a little stressed when we get into that holiday season, that Christmas season. I got, I got a couple nods going with the stressed, all right? Let me, let me just tell you something. You know people use desserts to help out with stress, right? Do you know this? Like, I've already been stressed. I've eaten half of it. Let me tell you, my friend Melinda shared a recipe with my wife. It is, like, the best. And maybe it's just me. But, like, I literally think that it is going to be at the table in heaven. It should be. I'm already putting my request in there. But it's like a pumpkin cobbler, okay, with, with pecans on top. So it's like the pecans get a little crystallized with the butter and the sugar. I mean, it's just, like, heavenly. I've literally eaten half the pan in the last two days. I mean, it's just because I'm already stressed. I've got to have my dessert, right? So, and I guess the stress works the dessert off. I don't know what happens, but it's all good because, you know, it's only natural that stressed out people eat more desserts because stress spelled backwards is desserts. Some of y'all are spelling it out right now. Some of y'all with a pen are writing this down saying, man, is he really telling the truth right now? Yes, I am, okay? Desserts spelled backwards is stressed. And so if that's true, there's a lot of stress between Thanksgiving and New Year's. Come on. Now, in all seriousness, stress has become the new norm in our world today. I mean, literally, stress has become the new norm. Some of you don't believe me? I got the stats to back it up. Throw those stats up. These are some stress stats, okay? The World Health Organization has actually listed stress as a worldwide epidemic. Okay, so I got one that's like really blown away by my statistics here. How about this? 80% of Americans say that they experience stress daily. Not, 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 <laughs> we're not saying once a year here. We're saying daily experience stress. In fact, the recent survey said that 70% of the people are most stressed out about politics. Stop watching the news, okay? That's an easy, easy way to detach from all of that. But 80% of Americans say they experience stress daily. But check this out. 190 billion. That's a B there. Billion is spent every year to treat stress. 
Isn't that something? Isn't that something? Now, if you're spending that much on stress, you, you need some deliverance. See what I'm saying? $190 billion is spent every year to treat stress. And you know what? I believe that what we do is that we get stressed out because life is chaotic. How many of you can agree with that statement? That sometimes life gets chaotic. We don't even want it to get chaotic, and it's chaotic. I mean, it's like I wake up every day, and I don't know what the day holds. See what I'm saying? I'm already stressed out. You see what I'm saying? Because I don't know what's going to happen. And especially when you got three kids in the house. That's like throwing in so many variables because you don't know what kind of attitude they're waking up with, what side of the bed they're going to wake up on. You don't know how much food they're going to eat for the day. You think you're all good because you went to the grocery store yesterday and you stocked up and you think, man, I got two weeks covered until it's Thanksgiving break. And all they do is they live in that pantry and they eat all the food by day number three. It's like I've already seen some of y'all say, man, I'm more broke when the kids are out of school than when they're in school. See, I'm just stressed thinking about it right now. Come on. But see, we live our lives not knowing what tomorrow will bring. Either it's going to be a mountaintop or it's going to be a valley or maybe somewhere in between. But guess what? There's only one of those that doesn't produce stress, and that's mountaintop. So most of the days we're going to wake up and either be somewhere in between or we're going to be in a valley. So that means 80% of us are going to experience stress on a daily basis. It makes me kind of think of a passage in Mark chapter 4, verses 35 through 41. It says this, that that day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let us go over to the other side. And leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There was also other boats with him. And a furious squall came up, and the waves broke over the boat so that it was nearly swamped. Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. And the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? He got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And then the wind died down, and it was completely calm. And he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? They were terrified and asked each other, Who is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? You know, this story really pictures, it's a great picture of what life is like, isn't it? I mean, it's like, man, who doesn't want to go on a boat ride, right? I mean, just getting out on the boat when it's a nice day. You know, I've seen some of y'all that have been on the boat fishing, doing that kind of stuff, and it looks great. It looks awesome. But, I mean, think about it. Whether it's a small boat to go fishing or a cruise ship, there's just something that's nice about getting on a boat, right? But then what happens when a storm comes? It's like the disciples, they got into the boat. They were thinking, man, this is going to be a nice little joy ride across the the, the water. And and then all of a sudden a storm pops up. It it wasn't like they had, like, Margaret Orr giving them the weather forecast before they got in the boat, right? They didn't know what was going to happen. And it's a lot like life sometimes. We get into a place where we think, man, this is going to be enjoyable. It's going to be fun. It's going to just be a nice little relaxing break away from the ordinary. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, a storm comes up. It's just like life. You see, a storm would equal a trial, a tribulation, 
It's either something that we get ourselves into or something that we have no control over, right? Because there's our, there are storms that we get ourselves into because we make it happen. Then there's other storms that happen that we have no control over. You know what? I say this a lot. I say that, you know, life is not what happens to you, but it's how you respond to it. But so many of us, we live our lives like life is about what happens to us. And we don't worry about the response. We don't control the response. And so then we just therefore stay into a state of chaos which produces stress. I would submit to you this morning that we need to get a perspective change. There was a difference between how the disciples responded and how Jesus responded in this story. The disciples were frantic. They were in a, in, in a, in a, in a, in a, in a panic. They, they, they thought their lives were coming to an end. And they were scared out of their mind. And what was Jesus doing? Sleeping. Now, i got to side with the disciples on this one. When they go and find Jesus and going, like, come on, dude. Like, what are you doing? Are you serious right now? You're sleeping? Like, what is going on here? Because that's how we react in life, isn't it? When something happens and, and when we feel like, man, life is just coming unraveled, well, then we go to Jesus and like, where are you? Like, what's your deal? Jesus is like, I'm just napping. It's all good. But that's how we treat life sometimes. So there's several things that I want to look at in this passage. Number one is this, is that Jesus is the only constant in your life. Jesus is the only constant. Going back to Mark chapter 4, verse 36, it says this, that leaving the crowd behind, they took him along just as he was in the boat. There were also other boats with him. What I find interesting about this particular verse is, is that it says, leaving the crowd behind, they took him along. But for whatever reason, Mark decides to highlight just as he was. Why, why is that in there? Why, why is that little four-letter phrase in there? Why couldn't it just say they took him along in the boat? No, they said they took him along just as he was. You see, we don't know what will happen in our lives from one moment to the next. But one thing that we can know and should know is that Jesus is the only constant. You see, their situation changed, but Jesus didn't change. you understand? Listen to me. A storm can come up into your life and totally wreck chaos in your life. But if you've got Jesus, nothing will change who he is. And so it says this in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 8. It says that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever, which means he's constant. He's never changing. He's always the same. You see, we must take Jesus as he was. And what does that mean? Not as we wish that Jesus was. Because sometimes we want Jesus to be a genie. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> but what I'm saying is, is that sometimes we want Jesus to be a genie. Where we find ourselves in a storm, we want to find the little God lamp, and we want to rub him, and we hope that he comes out, and he gives us our three wishes, and we just get right out of the storm. Come on. So sometimes we want Jesus the way that 
we wish that he was. Not as others may present Jesus to you. There's a lot of people who think they know who Jesus is, but they don't know him. And so they don't know, they're not speaking from a place of truth, they're speaking from a place of opinion. Then not as you might see him in the lives of others. Because we we have this, this thing where we like to compare with other people. We do it all the time, whether you think so or not. We look at this person and we're like, man, I don't understand why he gets that or she gets this. Or why she, her life is happening this way. Or his life is happening this way. Why is everything that they do always good and everything I do is always bad? Come on, we do it all the time. But we have to take Jesus as he was because he is the only constant. Think about this. If Jesus was able to rescue the, 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 the uh, excuse me, if Jesus was able to rescue the apostles from the storm... Like he did in this story, he's also able to rescue us from storms of everyday life. Like sickness, job loss, marriage problems, even the sting of death, as Paul puts it in 1 Corinthians 15, 55, where he says, Oh death, where is your victory? Oh death, where is your sting? You see, if Jesus did what he did for the disciples over 2,000 years ago in a boat, When a storm arrived, what makes us think that he can't do the same today in your storm? Why can't he step into the middle of your storm and say, peace, be still? And it stops. And oh, by the way, when you have a future storm, because the storm that you might find yourself in today is not going to be the only storm that you'll find yourself in in life. So guess what? In the future, he'll still be the same. Because here's the thing, Jesus knew that the storm was coming. And he didn't tell his disciples that bit of information, just like he doesn't tell you everything. Sometimes what he wants you to do is he wants to just give you one step at a time, because if he gave you the whole picture, you wouldn't even begin to take the first step. So he knew the storm was coming. Because he's omniscient. Even with the storm brewing, he decided to launch out to sea. You see, the Lord never promised we will never see a storm in life. As a matter of fact, he told us to expect trouble. He told people in John 16, 33, In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome. Rather, he has promised that he will be with us in the storm, that he will never leave you alone in the midst of trouble. With perseverance, you will overcome. Because here's the deal. Jesus is the same. Jesus is the same. If he can do it then, he can do it now. If he can do it then, he can do it now. Because look at what Jesus still does today. Jesus still saves today. 1 Timothy 1.15 says, Christ Jesus came into this world to save sinners. He didn't just do it 2,000 years ago. He's still doing it today. He'll do it tomorrow. He'll do it next week, next month, next year. He is still saving people today. 
Guess what else he does? He still heals today. Matthew 8, 16 says, When evening came, many who were demon-possessed were brought to him, and he drove out the spirits with a word, and he healed all the sick. If he did it then, he can still do it today. Jesus still baptizes with the Holy Spirit today. In Matthew 3, 11, John the Baptist says, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He, being Jesus, will baptize you with the Holy Spirit in fire. It wasn't just for then, it's for now. Because he is the same yesterday and today and forever. And guess what? Oh, by the way, Jesus still delivers today. In Luke 4, 18, it says, Jesus said, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, and recovering of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised. So Jesus, if he did it back then, he can still do it today. So I don't know how you came into this place today. If you're in need of salvation, guess what? Jesus still saves today. If you're in need of a healing today, Jesus still heals today. If you need to be baptized with fire in the Holy Spirit so that you can go and do what God has called you to do, he still is doing it today. And oh, by the way, if you need deliverance for something today, if you're addicted to something today, you're in bondage to something today, my Jesus still delivers today. And he will do it for you today. Man, y'all thought it was the Sunday after Thanksgiving. I came to preach today. Here's the second thing that we can pull out of here. Jesus hears your cry. Jesus hears your cry. Mark chapter 4 verse 38. It says Jesus was in the stern sleeping on a cushion. See, so many times we want to blame Jesus for not moving in our lives because we think, oh, he's not around because the storm is already here. We think that Jesus will prevent the storms in our life. He doesn't do that. He doesn't prevent them. He just shows up in them with you. Think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He didn't show up before they got in the fire. He showed up in the fire. He's got to see that you're willing to go through the trial and understand that where your faith is is where he's going to be. So if your faith is in him, guess what? He's with you every step of the way. If your faith is in the storm, well, guess what? He ain't going to be there. Jesus hears your cry. He was in the stern sleeping. And it says the disciples woke him and said to him, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? It's interesting that the wind of the storm didn't wake Jesus. That the arguing of the disciples didn't wake him. Because I'm sure that they were, guys, they butted heads all the time. That is a reality show that I would love to see. The water splashing over the boat did not wake Jesus. But you know what woke Jesus up was the cry of his disciples. And he instantly awoke and he was instantly ready and willing to help them in their time of need. Psalms 18 6 says this, In my distress I called to the Lord. I cried to my God for help. From his temple, he heard my voice. My cry came before him into his ears. We hear of people crying for Jesus and crying for God all throughout Scripture. Think about it. When Moses was at the burning bush, God, through the burning bush, told Moses, the cries of my people have gotten to my ear, and that's why I'm sending you. 
Jesus hears the cries of the people. Think about the blind beggars that were off on the side of the road and they're sitting there in their condition that they've been born with, that they've never been able to see. And they hear that Jesus is coming and they, they cry out, Son of David, have mercy on me. They cried. And Jesus healed them. Gave them eyesight in a moment. Jesus hears your cry. And here's number three as Christina comes back up. Where is your faith? Where is your faith? Mark 4.40 says this. He said to his disciples, why are you so afraid? Do you still have no faith? Luke tells the same story. But he uses this phrase in Luke 8, 25. Where is your faith? He asked his disciples. Think about this for a minute. The disciples had already seen Jesus do some pretty amazing things. They've seen him do miracles. They've seen him heal people. They've even seen a little boy raised from the dead at this point. Think about that for a minute. I mean, I don't know about you, but if Jesus can raise somebody from the dead, I'm going to be pretty, at least I'd like to say I would, to think that he would calm the storm. You see, what this shows me is, is that the disciples, guess what, are human just like me and you. Because I think all of us can point to at least something in our life, whether you believe in Jesus or not, you might say it's coincidence, luck, whatever you want to name it. But I'm here to tell you that nothing is coincidence. Nothing is luck. Everything happens on purpose, for a purpose. And we serve a sovereign God that will take everything and work everything out to the good for those who love him and are called according to his purpose. So I believe that the storm in your life is just as effective as the mountaintop experience in your life. So there's times where we see God move in our lives and yet when that same thing approaches again, the same storm circles back around, guess what? There's a doubt that rises up, a fear that rises up. And Jesus is asking his disciples, just like he's asking you and me today, where is your faith? Where is your faith? Could it be that there are times where Jesus will allow a storm to arise in our lives to test our faith? I mean, I, I, I can't go into full details right now, but let me, let me just explain something to you that happened to me this past week. We... we, we Christina and I and our family, we're in the middle of some decisions right now. Nothing to do with the church, so get that out of your mind. But we, we're dealing with some decisions right now. And the thing is, is that we got some news on Tuesday that wasn't what we wanted to hear. Very disappointing news. Have you ever had something where you think like something's about to happen and you're hopeful and you're excited about it and you're like, man, this is great. And then all of a sudden something out of nowhere just pops up, a storm happens and then it just totally blows everything to smithereens. And you're like, come on, God, I thought this was what you wanted. I thought this is what you wanted. I thought this is what you wanted. And then guess what? Then what happens? Oh. 
Jesus, what are you doing, man? You're asleep on me again. Like, why did you let this happen? If you would have just been awake, none of this would have happened. So Tuesday, we get the news that we did not want to hear. But this is where, I'm, this is where, where, where you need to hear me today. Life is not about what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. Listen to me, people. I can't just say that if I'm not willing to live that out. So come Tuesday evening, I show up to prayer that we do every Tuesday night. By the way, I'd love to invite you this Tuesday. Come and join us for some prayer time. You'll enjoy it. It's from 6 to 8. Come and go as you please. That's my shameless plug. So anyways, I'm here at Tuesday night prayer. And I'm sitting here, and I'm, I'm, I'm praying, and I'm like, God, I'm just going to sit here, and I'm going to believe that you are who you say you are. You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. Just because my situation changes doesn't mean you change. So just because I get news that I don't want to hear, guess what? You're still the same. So guess what? I can get excited about that. I can still feel good about Jesus because he's not the one that's changing. I'm the one that's changing. So like, you know, I'm like, God, this is all you, man. This is in your hands. And it's pretty crummy getting some bad news on Tuesday of Thanksgiving week because then it's like, man, I can't enjoy my fried turkey, Marty, as much as I want to. But I choose to respond. I'm going to move on. Now, I'm frying my turkey on Thursday. It smells so good. I'm not even thinking about what happened on Tuesday now. Because all I'm thinking about is some fried turkey. And then all of a sudden, Christina gets a phone call. Okay? With news that totally cancels out what we heard on Tuesday. Now, how about that? Now, see, I'm not a person that believes in coincidences, so I believe that God allowed that to happen to see where we stood with him. Because sometimes he needs to test your faith. He's got to see if you've got the faith to move to the next season, the new level that he wants to take you to. We can't complain that Jesus is asleep. We just need to respond in faith. That's why he's like, where's your faith? Let me ask you this question. Is your faith artificial? Is your faith artificial? I will say this. I have been eating artificial sugar. Not, not aspartame, okay? But like sugar alcohols, that's code for fake sugar, okay? It's not real. It's artificial. Let me tell you, ain't nothing going to replace the real thing. Stevia does not taste like sugar. What I'm saying is, is this, is that, is your faith artificial? Does it look the same? Maybe even sounds the same, but when you boil down to it, does it act the same? You see, artificial faith is when we say, oh yeah, I'm all about some Jesus. And then the storm shows up and then we're like, forget Jesus. 
is your faith artificial? The book of James, James tells us that, look, it's not enough just to say you have faith. You've got to have some actions that back that faith up. It's like, if you say you have faith, then you have to have works. You see what I'm saying? There's got to be something that backs it up. You've got you to actually live this thing out. You've got to live the faith out. It's like going back to the story. If, if, if I just have artificial faith and I stand before you on Sundays and I tell you, you know, i got faith in Jesus, man. Life is not about what happens to you. It's how you respond to it. And then if something bad happens in my life and I'm not willing to back that up and actually act that out, then my faith is artificial. And guess what artificial does? It doesn't do nothing. It doesn't accomplish anything. It has no power. It's only real faith that has power. And Jesus says that if you have faith the size of a mustard seed, you can look at that mountain and you can say, mountain, be moved over here. So when we have a storm show up in our life, we can say if we just have a small little bit of faith inside of us, we can look at that storm and say, storm, thank you so much for showing up today. But guess what? I got a guest with me and his name is Jesus. And so I got faith to tell you storm to go park yourself over there because I got to go this way. Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. See, the problem with the disciples is, is that they needed a perspective change. They got their eyes too focused on what they could see instead of what they couldn't see. Because Jesus was in the stern. He wasn't on the deck with them. He was in the belly of the ship. He was down where nobody could see him. we got to have hope in his word we have to have hope in his word why let me let me show you something in mark 4:35 the first verse of the passage that we read today it says this that day when evening came he said to his disciples let us go over to the other side You know what happened in that verse is Jesus made a promise. He made a promise to his disciples. Guess what that verse doesn't say? It doesn't say, let us perish in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. He promised his disciples that they would cross to the other side. Are are you hearing me this morning? Jesus said, let us cross to the other side. You know what he wants to tell you today? We're going to cross to the other side. See, for some of you right now, you're in the middle of the storm. You're in the middle of the storm right now. And you're freaking out right now. You're stressed out. You're losing your mind right now because you can't see through the storm. 
Can I tell you today, you need to start searching out the ship that you're on and you need to find where Jesus is. You need to wake him up today. You need to say, Jesus, I need you today because guess what? You're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And guess what, Jesus? You promised me that we would get from this side to this side. I don't know how we're going to get to that side, but you said it. And we got to hope in his word. We got to stand strong on the promises of God today. We don't need to listen to what the world says. We don't need to listen to what our situation says. We don't need to listen to what the enemy is telling you right now. Because what he's saying, what the world is saying, you're not going to make it. The ship is going down. The storm is too strong. But I'm here to tell you, I'm getting fired up today. I'm telling you today that Jesus was there in the beginning. And he said, let us cross to the other side. Today, you got to hold to his word. You got to hold to his promise because his promises are always true. His promises are always the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we worship him this morning? Can we worship him this morning? Because he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he's promised you that you will get to the other side. Let's stand all over this place today. Jesus is your only constant. Jesus hears your cry. But here's the question that's the challenge. Where is your faith? 